The material in this podcast is for entertainment, educational, and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice. You should not rely on this information to make any medical-related decisions. Nothing in this podcast constitutes a doctor-patient relationship, and nothing should be taken as specific medical advice for any given person. I hope you enjoy Marked Medicine. Hey, Mark. I have a question. Okay. How many times do you think I've asked you that question? Do numbers go that high? I doubt it. And from that concept, the idea of marked medicine was born with Dr. Mark Brulte. And with Amanda Brulte, my favorite nurse practitioner. And you're now listening to Marked Medicine. Hello, and welcome back to Mark Medicine. We are so excited today. As you all know, Mark Medicine is all about learning and entertainment and information. And the thing that I've noticed in life is that often we learn more from non-classic medical venues rather than classic medical venues, particularly once you've been trained and experienced. Learning is everywhere. It's just seek and you shall find. And so today we have as our guest, Sarah Nan Mitchell. She is a cosmetologist locally, and we're extremely excited to have her here because of her wonderful stories and winning personality. Yes. Thank you for joining us, Sarah Nan. I'm glad to be here. So tell our listeners about yourself, where you're from, how you got to where you are. I'm Sarah Nan Mitchell. I usually describe myself as the loud one at the beauty shop. Most people that come in there know who I am by my voice. I went to school at East Central Tech, which is now Wiregrass. I graduated from their first class of their cosmetology program when they first brought it to Coffee County. I had a best friend and her mama who were both hairdressers, and I just kind of helped them when I was in high school as like an after school program and I couldn't decide what I really wanted to be when I grew up so I just continued to be a hairdresser. Well I think you just had a natural talent for it and God just put you where you're supposed to be. I didn't know that I was real good at talking to people and I mean I just thought that I was always the troublemaker in the classroom that always got trouble for talking. I didn't know that was going to take me somewhere. Obviously, you learn a lot about people. You have you run across an enormous number of people that come to your shop you're one of the most popular cosmetologists in town and and a lot of women I know you cut men's hair also but and um you you get to know these people on a very personal level yeah I think that's why my career has advanced to where it's at is because I'm a pretty open book you ask and I'll pretty much tell you my opinion on things um but I have people who confide in me daily that tell me about what's going on in their life or some people just want to sit and listen to what's going on with me and some people want to just sit and tell me what's going on with them and like I said I like to talk so I'm just I ramble all day. Well I'm sure people tell you things that their psychiatrist only dreams that that they could know about these people. They they (laughs) tell you secrets that their counselors and their priest they they probably need to hire you as a consultant to tell them what's really going on with their with their patients. There's and clients. some that I would like. To well, tell, I'll yeah. I'll put it this way: I've probably cried more than once in Sarah Ann's chair. So <laughs> I'm not sure how many times I've cried. It. You could probably talk to the local counselors, kind of like Paul Harvey, and tell them the rest of the story. Yes, I could. And so tell so now, how does this impact you and how you deal with your future clients and things? I mean, you obviously learn a lot about people. Well, I actually enjoy getting to do that. It, like, having people come in and sit down and talk to me every day 
it's it's a different scenario. I never know what I'm going to get. You never know what somebody's feeling, what kind of morning somebody had, what's going on last week that they've been holding in that they need to release when they sit in my chair. So it's, even though I go in and I'm at the same place doing the same, basically the same thing every day, it's always a surprise of what's coming at me that day. Not just what color correction am I going to be doing or is, you know, Sally down the street wanting to bob her hair off because she's having a bad day and I've got mm-hmm. to either know whether to talk her in it, to it <laughs> or talk her out of it. Like, so that's probably one of, that's one of the things that I think keeps me going in my job is because it's not the same thing every day. I'm not doing just the mundane paper mm-hmm. right. typing on the computer. I'm, I don't know. It's, it's an interest in something different every day. And I like that. Well, I remember back when I had hair and we get haircuts, <laughs> you know, it is kind of mesmerizing to be in the barber chair and you just have these conversations and they just flow. And then There's you... been parts of my life that I've had women that are more experienced in life and been through more things than I have in life who have helped me through a lot of life trauma and life experiences and got me through understanding and seeing things in a different light. So I think that it's it feels good to be able to know that you're helping somebody at the end of the day, whether I'm helping them make themselves look better or make themselves just feel better. Or, I mean, who don't want to look pretty every day? Who don't want their hair done to make them look beautiful? Nine times out of 10, I go to hair, go to squirt with my hair and nod on top of my head. And I will tell my client, today we're worried about your hair, not mine. Okay, let's, we're going to fix you, not me. Don't look at me. I'm just the background. So you're like you're like the ultimate counselor, psychiatrist, best friend, all rolled into one. And now you see people that are um, upset oftentimes about appearance, and they have self esteem issues, particularly young women and teenage girls. Although anybody, well, I mean, I even I have older clients, older women, and you know, as we age, our hair hair loss is more prominent in older hair than it is in younger people. Younger people, it's more about the way they look. Where I guess older people too, but I mean, gray hair as you get older, thinning hair as you get older, not to mention how thinning hair seems to be such a big thing right now between the big C word and the latest um, get skinny shot. I mean, whichever one they just choose to take. I, in my chair, have seen a lot of people being like, what can I do to make my hair grow back? I'm losing my hair. And I'm like, well, are you eating a lot of protein? Are you under a lot of stress? Are you both? Are you not eating because you're stressed? I mean, I'm not a medical physician, but mm-hmm. I, I, I do know that if you don't eat right, your hair's made up of proteins. I mean, you will. If you're not getting the vitamins, the hair's not going to grow. As far as going gray, I'm proud to see people's hair go gray. I like to because I get to see them more often. That's good. <laughs> well, and we're going to get to the hair loss thing in just a minute because that's one of my topics that I wanted to talk to you about. But also, when you help these people with their appearance and do whatever you do for their hair, color it, cut it, shape it, etc. I mean, have you seen the impact that it has on their self-esteem? Or are they? Oh, yeah, definitely. One of my favorite scenarios would be I had the time, it's not been that long ago, I had a young girl. She needed a little TLC and a little extra love. She had some stuff stuff going on in her personal life the the child did 
and my friend was wanting to boost her confidence. So I cut the little girl's hair. I cut several inches off of it and um, smoothed it out with the blow dryer, put a few curls in it. And to see her light up in a way with what I knew she was going through, she didn't know I knew what she was going through, but to see her be happy in return made me happy that I could help her. And um, it was probably, I don't know, a week later, my friend reached back out to me and she said, um, before school starts, I have got to get her haircut. You do not believe, would not believe her self-confidence and the way she looks at herself in the mirror. She was doom and gloom child that had things going on in her house that isn't considered a normal household. And just coming, being able to have the privilege to come to the beauty shop and get her hair cut instead of her getting it cut in her bathroom at home made a big impact on her. And that's a 11 or 12 year old. So, and then brides used to be one of my favorite things to do because they get so excited and they work their stuff up for that day. But the, the, the more I advance in my career, being able to see something like that makes me more happy that I'm helping somebody. I, I, the big day is wonderful, but just something as small as a child getting to come and have an experience that they've mm -hmm. never had, that's mm -hmm. rewarding to me. But okay. it, it's but, fast, it's fascinating to me to hear a story like that, and you could have taken this girl to 20 doctors with more degrees than a mm -hmm. thermometer, mm -hmm. and it would have done nothing for right. her. That's exactly right. Well, Nothing and, at all. And, and like I've told Sarah and Ann before, you know, by the time these individuals get to us as healthcare providers, the problem is already oftentimes so severe. And, you know, we have 10 minutes with them. And the fact, you know, that people like you who are boots on the ground dealing with people in their everyday life and the impact that y'all are making on people's everyday life and that kind of goes along with what we're hoping to do. You know, if more people could be educated on the things that you do or the other people do, just ways that we can help people, help patients, teach healthcare providers how to help patients, how to, you know, teach healthcare providers resources available that they can point their patients to. It's not always a, a, a medical specialist, you know, like not saying that individuals don't need you know, counseling or medication for mental health things that they're going through because oftentimes they do. But there are also other things that they can do, you know, daily that we need to know about that we can help point people in that direction. And when I was thinking about this episode today, I was trying to come up with a phrase, and, and I mentioned it earlier, non-classical medical venues. That's mm -hmm. That was the, because it is medical. You are mm -hmm. helping people. It's and, very and there's Yeah, and I need to have other resources to pull from and to mm -hmm. send people to other than another ologist, another special. And Absolutely. so, which kind of, uh, to get back to the medical end of things, I know in school, y'all probably learned scalp diseases and things that impact the hair and stuff. I know that was a while back, but I mean. Oh, yeah, it's been a while, but yeah, alopecia is one of those. Mm -hmm. Whether it, postpartum alopecia is one of the most common forms of hair loss that I see behind the chair Pregnant women don't know that you will lose your hair after you breastfeed. I mean, right. or, or, and there's some that don't breastfeed. And I'm not real sure of why pregnant women lose their hair. Well, it's, it's called telogen effluvium. Any type of severe um, 
mental stress or severe physiologic stress, whether it be trauma, surgery, pregnancy, the pregnancy, the birth of a child. So it's not actually it, the pregnancy; it's just the trauma of the change of a it's woman's the life. After effects, it, well, it can be the physiologic right. stress of pregnancy and delivery and all that, or have the the surgical stress of a cesarean section. You a few weeks to months after the event, you it resets all of the growth cycles of the hair into the same phase, and it's called telogen effluvium. And the hairs will just start coming out in clumps. However, literally. the psychological stress can absolutely yes, add to the severe the psychological hair stress. Right. Can. Well, I, I've I've known and yes, you definitely. I've seen firsthand really close clients that have in that I've done over a period of time, to where they're like, "What am I doing?" Da, da, da. And I'm like, "Well, we're just in college. Like you're right. getting ready to exit college. You're worried about the next phase in life. You're worried about." being able to complete boards and passing, you know, making the grades to get out of college and and you don't want to have to go do this again. So you're under more stress. I think stress is really underrated these days. But you brought up an interesting point a moment ago when you said pregnant women don't know that they're going to lose their hair. You know, as healthcare providers, and I don't know if it's because our world is so fast-paced or because of what healthcare has become with all of the documentation rules and the algorithms and all this stuff. But, you know, I do think that maybe we forget some of the basics and just talking to the patient, educating the patient on things that they can expect. You know, like, hey, if you have a, a pregnant woman in front of you, like, hey, maybe let's have some of these conversations with her. Like, let's do more than just say, "Are you? what's your blood pressure? Do you have protein in your urine? You know, let's say, yeah. hey, just so you'll know, there's some things that you can expect during and after your pregnancy, and it's telogen effluvium, and this is why it's happening, and... It happens to a lot of people, and don't stress out, and don't let that add to your stress, because when does it usually reset, Mark? Three it, to four months. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, there's a lot of medical reasons for people to lose their hair. There's alopecia, there's, sometimes people have had trauma and burns, there's hypothyroidism, the telogen effluvium, lupus, and other autoimmune disorders. There's also the obvious people with cancer get radiation and chemotherapy. I'm sure you've run across people that have lost hair because of, of cancer treatment. So, oh, yeah. And before you get on that, when Sarah Ann was talking earlier, when she said the big C, cancer, I'm sure mm-hmm. is what you're referring to. And then also, because um, she and I have had a conversation previous, so I know what she was referring to earlier. She was referring to the shots that are being used for diabetes. And, you know, we may get into those later, but just to kind of let all the listeners know that that, yes, she has it with that. That's what she was referring to earlier. Right. So, with the with the cancer treatments, have you had clients? Oh have... yes, I've had clients. I've had close friends that were clients that's had to deal with, you know, hair loss and that you know, it don't tell you on day ten you're gonna lose your hair. So you know, they wake up one morning and they're like, so and so's losing their hair. I've had daughters call me, "Mom is losing her hair." Is there any way? That she really like would like to have it cut off so she don't wake up and it's on her pillow. Mm-hmm. I've even had a personal experience where one of my best friends um, went through chemo and lost her hair. And when I moved home, I went back to visit one weekend, and then it just so happened that weekend, my one of my best friends, her hair started coming out. So we, I got to shave her head while I was there, and I think that was nothing less than fate. So that you um, happened to be there yeah. that weekend. Yeah, I was it just so happened the weekend that I was there from a Friday to a Sunday that mm-hmm. she woke up Saturday and was like 
of this terribly traumatic thing for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her best friend, the hairdresser, just happens to be there that weekend. Right. So you made it as good as it could be. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, and I got, we got to cry together and we got, you know, I, I wanted to shave my head. She wouldn't let me shave my head. So I just shaved a little part of my hair. I, you know, and I was like, you know, this is so traumatic. Just what woman don't want big, long, luscious, beautiful hair? Mm-hmm. My friend actually had five different wigs. They all had different names. So she went by Alter Egos when she had her wig on. And it was just her way of putting brightness in her day because she's so right. bubbly and fun. And What a way to make lemonade out of lemons, I right. guess. That brings up, I was a dentist before I went to medical school. And one of my oh, dental like classmates, that. one of his big things that he liked to do for charity or whatever, it was lock, I think it's called Locks of Love. Mm-hmm. He would grow his hair mm-hmm. out and then they mm-hmm. would... They cut it and make human hair wigs out of it to give to uh, yeah. for cancer treatment uh, patients. And I don't, I don't. That's all there's, I really know about it. There's though. actually several of those. Locks of Love is one of the ones that we've sent off to before. And it with Locks of Love, I know that it can't be colored hair. So that in this day and age, you don't find a lot of that unless it is usually a male growing his hair out and cutting it off. Most women that grow their hair out and decide to cut it off, it's had color on it at some point. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to explain to people that once you put chemical process on the root, it don't matter how long you grow it until you cut it off, it's mm-hmm. still in the hair. But I'm assuming these are somewhat charitable organizations yeah. that make these for the patients. Mm-hmm. And- well, I mean, the my my friend from North Georgia, she actually found an individual who that's what she does. It's not charitable. It's not by donation. She actually hand sews human wigs mm-hmm. for each individual. Mm-hmm. And it's it's costly, but it's, you know, to make you feel good what right. you do. So if a woman has a wig that's made out of human hair, how do they care for it? Well, you're going to shampoo it like normal. I'm pretty sure every so often, I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure every so many months, Jill could take it back and have it cleaned mm-hmm. up and revamped, and it, it could actually be colored and cut and mm-hmm. you know anything. But a lot, a lot of your toupees are probably gonna have more of a more of a upkeep, like right. a maintenance or whatever. Mm-hmm. As far as wigs, if you care for it and condition it, mm-hmm. and when you spend the money on wigs, if you get a good one then you're going to care for it like you right. do your, your hair i mean they you take them off there's headstands that you can t-pin them to every night mm-hmm. you can brush and comb them out you, you know i mean but as far as washing and blow drying you m- most of the human hair wigs you do that just like you would a normal head of hair on the topic of hair loss uh, and i know a big thing right now is all of the new weight loss injectable drugs they're all Wagovi and Ozempic and some of those things, they're all what we call GLP-1 receptor agonists. And I know you and Amanda had had a conversation several days ago about the, you had noticed that maybe people were losing their hair with that. And so it it sparked me to investigate and read about it. And it actually can be, it's fairly rare, but a direct side effect of the drug. Okay. However, more likely as a cause, if you have large amounts of weight loss, particularly rapidly, it can set off a lot of hair loss phenomenon. I, it never specifically said it was uh, telogen effluvium, but something, some process like that, I'm not sure they really know. These drugs haven't been on the market 
that long. Also, no, it just seems to be a huge wave of people. And, you know, some people are more private than others. And some are, some people don't want you to know that they're mm -hmm. on, but on the shot and, you know, their hair's coming out in handfuls. And I have asked, I don't know if I should or not, but I do. Um, Are you on this? Because this is a major, like, other than you being on some form of medication or unless you're under big amount of stress like you need to go see your dog it's so important for for people to let their health care provider mm -hmm. or their hairdresser or their mm -hmm. dentist or whoever right. to know that they're on you would not believe the people that don't want people to know that they're on medicine and but you know your hair i mean your medicine comes out through your pores and and your hair follicles and there can be a direct length of why your hair's not doing what it's supposed to. And mm -hmm. with the with the GLP one um, receptor mm -hmm. agonist specifically, I know y'all had discussed about the potential for vitamin deficiencies, mm -hmm. or is it interfering with vitamin absorption or something? And and I could I found conflicting information about that. Mm -hmm. I don't know that that's fully answered. However, they do as part of their effect to some degree create malnutrition and malnutrition uh -huh. mm -hmm. in general, maybe not specifically any given vitamin or compound or whatever can lead to hair loss. So I think it's probably multifactorial. I think what mm -hmm. you're seeing is probably real. Mm -hmm. um, and I would assume like most of these situations that once you're off the medicine or it's been lowered down to some very low maintenance dose that all this stuff is going to reset and get better. You know, that's, yeah. that would be the good news. It'd probably be a temporary situation. I don't prescribe these drugs. Mm -hmm. I do see people that are on them mm -hmm. and I have friends and coworkers that have taken them and clearly they work and they're getting FDA indications for weight loss, which are fairly rigid. I think a BMI above 30 qualifies mm -hmm. and a BMI above 27 with high risk comorbidities like diabetes or hypertension or etc and and they're interesting drugs when you mm -hmm. i've read so much about them in the last few days they're interesting drugs on so many levels and none of this is proven but as um, for treatment of polycystic ovary disease they help lessen the risk of certain tumors they do good things for atherosclerosis again the devil is in the details how much over what length of time mm -hmm. Which patients, you know, I think all of these things are being fleshed out over time mm -hmm. by the drug companies well, and the research protocols, et cetera. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how all this plays out. I've had doctor friends that are telling me these things are going to Amazing. be proven to be horrible. And other, oh, yeah, and other well, guys yeah. are saying these things are wonderful. Look at what they're doing for these people's comorbidities. And, and I don't know the answer. Right. Well, it is philosophically, it's very interesting. The old adage never be the first nor the last doctor to ad adopt usage of a new drug or therapy. In other words, moderation in all things. You don't yeah. want to be, I've seen drugs come and go that they thought were going to be the saving grace of whatever and then pull from the market in two years because of some unknown side effect. I've also seen drugs, metformin is one of those. I remember when metformin was first coming out and people were slow to adopt it and everybody was scared of the potential for lactic acidosis, some of these complex metabolic problems that can occur rarely with it, and have watched it become an amazing drug that has proven over time to be 
so wonderful for diabetes and metabolic syndrome and all these other things. As a matter of fact, diabetics on metformin have a longer lifespan in the United States of America than non-diabetics not on metformin. Now, that's a pretty amazing. Oh, wow. And they're doing actually longevity studies with it. We're actually on metformin, too, so that makes me feel better. (laughs) And I remember in the early to mid-90s going, oh, because there was a predecessor drug, and I can't remember the name of it, that was taken off the market, used properly and in the proper patients with the proper renal function under the proper risk factors, et cetera, et cetera. Again, it's, it's an individual thing, and I think probably that's how this will end up being. Well, and I the can proper even... patient, The proper drug for the proper patient at the proper time and the proper amount. Both sides of it. Well, on the on the topic of hair loss, and I had mentioned it earlier, and you talking about lupus, and there's there's two basic forms of lupus. There's systemic lupus, which may or may not have severe skin changes, and there's also discoid lupus that can be confined solely to the skin, where they have splotches of hair missing potentially on the face and scalp. It can be anywhere in the body, but a propensity for that area. And so have you seen patients with lupus that have hair issues? I do have several patients with lupus. I don't, I hadn't seen a, not in my chair, I haven't seen a direct. It's been directly affected. Yeah, affected. Well, it's amazing because now that's a field of medicine, rheumatology, where they just have amazing new medicines, the biological agents and what we call the disease modifying drugs. And a lot of these patients that were effectively untreatable in the past are now do really, really well. So you may not even know it. I mean, they, yeah. and uh, it's just, it's a whole fascinating topic in and of itself. The Now, philosophically, and, you know, obviously you're a likable person. You're very skilled at what you do. You're a great listener. You're great at giving advice to people. That's why Amanda has to wait eight weeks to get an appointment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, uh, no, I've got them set now. you got them set now. I've got okay. them set. <laughs> Through December. That's right. But I mean, what advice could you, I mean, and what stories do you have with anybody in your family that's been treated or how, how do you, I know you, I know how you treat people. And that's part of this program. And a big part of this program is how I want healthcare providers to treat mm-hmm. people. It's really more about making a relationship with your client. Like you make relationships daily with these people that you see every so often and my mama being a nurse she's always said you know if you treat somebody like they're your family member Mm -hmm. or she said you know when somebody would come into the emergency room and they would be in a panic she said if I if I looked at this person and looked and said this is my mama or this is my sister or this is one of my brothers like treat them the way you would want to be treated Mm -hmm. then you treat people different and I am both of my parents worked in the public. My dad had a public job. My mama was a nurse, of course. And, I mean, they always said, treat people the way you want to be treated. And that's the golden rule, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Treat your mm-hmm. neighbor as you treat yourself. When you make somebody feel like they're important and you form a relationship with them like I do, you can't help but be concerned about what they have going on. And you treat them more kind. And I think that's important, kindness. Mm-hmm. Sarah Ann, do you think that people would keep coming back to you over and over again if you were not nice, if they just sat down in your chair and you never spoke to them, or you acted like they were a burden? No, that's one of the biggest things in the shop um, with me is welcoming, the welcoming people in. Like when somebody walks through the door and they're standing up there, it's like, come on, girls, let's find out what they're 
here for and make them feel wanted. If I walk in somewhere and I feel like you don't want me in there, I'm not coming back. And so I, and but I love making people feel that way. Like it makes me happy. Mm-hmm. So you think your customers probably have an expectation that when I get to Sarah Ann's shop, I'm going to be treated, I'm going to be welcome. I'm going to be treated mm-hmm. with kindness. And you say you do hair for people from all walks of life, whether it be stay at home moms, doctors, nurses, teachers, students, you name it. If I seek you for medical advice or medical help, or I have to trust you to do it. Right. And when people come and sit in my chair, nine times out of 10, I'm like, what you want to do today? And they're like, oh, um, and what do you think? You tell me, you tell me you're the professional. And I'm like, girl, you need to brighten up. You look a little dull. And mm-hmm. so they're like, all right, you just do what you want to. Or they'll say, here's a couple pictures. This is what I want. So I, right. I have a lot of people sit in my chair and they trust what I do because I do treat right. them. I, when I look at it, it don't matter who it is. So if you wouldn't go to a hairdresser again that's not nice, that doesn't make you feel welcome, that doesn't do the very best job possible and act like they want to do the job and do it right, then why would you want a patient or a family to come to you during their time of need, during their healthcare time of need, if you don't plan to treat them with that same level of respect and kindness and giving them the best of you? Yeah. Why do you want to give them the worst of you? Why would you ever want to do that? Well, let's let's treat people like they're part of our own family. Without doubt. Mm-hmm. I mean, you I have 100% to. I 100% agree. I just, I, I would never be able to. For me, it's my name walking around on their mm-hmm. hair. No different than if I was to come to your office mm-hmm. and say, you know, Amanda, I mean, word of mouth is one of the biggest advertisements mm-hmm. that they are. And it can be used both ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. Have you had any personal health care experiences where you remember somebody maybe being nice to you in a health care facility? Oh, yes, I have, actually. Um, I, I can remember the first time I met Mark. I was in the emergency room with my my little girl. It had to be like 2008. And this is your same 14-year-old that you're talking about, right? Yes, I am. So you're you're remembering this this instance from many, many years ago. Yes, yes. And I was scared and nervous taking my wheezing baby to the emergency room and, you know, worried about her being able to breathe Mm -hmm. and snot everywhere. And, you know, we've been up half the night and it's the middle of the night and I woke up and she's wheezing and I go in and I know that I look a hot mess and like who done it coming in in mm-hmm. two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> like, please and, help me with this baby. Yeah, help me. Mm-hmm. And and you didn't and, really want to be greeted by the Grim Reaper. No, right? I mean, no. <laughs> but I can remember Mark's bedside manner was just so sweet. Oh, beautiful baby girl, we're going to get you to feel better. You know, he just ensured her and me as her mother that are scared mm-hmm. to death there at, in the middle of the night that we're going to make it better. We're, you know, mm-hmm. you're not... We're going to see about you before you have to go home and make sure you're okay. And we did. Well, I think we stayed three days under a croup tent and we went home. And that was the longest three days I've ever spent in the hospital with, a, you know, a 18-month-old and a, like a, I guess Gavin was a couple years older mm-hmm. than her. So I, he didn't want to be gone for me and she wanted, I had to be there with her. So, yeah, we mm-hmm. spent a few days of family vacation <laughs> but that is but I can still remember Mark that day and I I've this is one of the only times he's ever helped me in the emergency room that I've been when he worked in the emergency room 
but I can remember how kind he was. And I can mm-hmm. remember saying, oh, he's such a great doctor because mm-hmm. he was nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because of the knowledge behind what he was helping me with that day. It was how he treated me. Usually when somebody approaches me and says, hey, I remember you, and I'm going, oh, <laughs> you know, I know I'm always nice to people, and I try to be. I really, really do. But, and I've touched on this before when we have residents and medical students and and other students, uh, nurse practitioner and PA students in the ER, we always tell them, now listen, what's going on in that room is very, very important to that family. Mm-hmm. Whether it's something mm-hmm. dangerous or not, Whether bad it's the or young not, mama with they, her baby yes, wheezing in the middle of the night. They don't know what it is. It, they, they may only be scared and they're going to be fine and that's okay. But whatever it is, this story is going to be told at their family get-togethers mm-hmm. for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. So Fortunately for you, student XYZ, you get to tell this story before you ever walk in the room. Do you want it to be a good story or a bad story? So, right. And, you know, so I try to impress that upon mm-hmm. the students. Let me assure you that what you do has just as much of an impact on people. It really does. And just like how, you know, you remember Mark being nice to you all those years ago People remember how you treat them and how you make them feel. I mean, I'm one of them. I'm going to be loyal to you forever, as so many other clients are, because of the way that you treat us and the way that you make us feel and the way that you make my little girls feel when you do their hair. And it means a lot to people. It really does. So don't ever discount what you do. Not that you do, but I'm just saying, you know, we've had people tell us, well, we don't really know what we can do to help the healthcare field. I mean, so much more than you may ever realize because y'all are the people that are there dealing with people every single day in their daily life. And the way that the impact that you make on people and their self-esteem is gigantic. Let me vouch for that. And then also as healthcare providers, educating on educating us on the things that you do and the things that you see and the way that you treat people, you know, that's something that we need to know and you're a resource that we can use or people like you are resources that healthcare providers can point their patients to and maybe they need to pick me up. But I think it's also been good to have the analogy, you know, of, you know, hey, no matter who I am, when I go to my hairdresser, I want to be treated a certain way. Well, why don't patients have that same right? You know, they do. They do. So they do. You're right. So as healthcare providers, we need to remember that, you know, they come to us because, you know, they didn't always just show up because they didn't have any other option. Maybe they showed up because, they wanted to. They wanted to come here for whatever reason. So, you know, treat them a certain way and they'll want to continue coming back. To let you know how important you are in our house, sometimes I'll say, hey, tomorrow can we, whatever, go eat some, whatever I wanted to do. I've got a hair appointment at 1030. That's the end of conversation. I just walk away <laughs> and don't even say anything else. Because yes, I've I'm- definitely had people say, I changed my... I've had people change their doctor appointments. Yes, absolutely. There could be wildfires. There could be floods. There could be there could be no electricity. It does not matter that we could you know no gasoline in the cars. I would just have to push the car with her in. Well, it's because it's about so much more than just getting my gray hair covered up. I mean, that's a big part of it too. But you do a lot more for me than just cover up my gray hair. I always look forward when you come to. You know, as healthcare providers, you never know who you can learn from. Without question, the. Again, to me, these are the most exciting conversations. Yeah, and and we learn the most from conversations just like this. And we learn resources that we can point our patients to by talking to people just like you. So before we close, tell our listeners where they can find you. I work at Tuscan Sky Salon in Douglas. 
And do y'all have a website or how could they, if not that you need more clients, but if anybody just wanted to reach out and try to schedule an appointment with you, how would they do that? Um, we have a Bargaro app. You can find us on there. Um, our Facebook or our Instagram page, Tuscan Sky Salon of Douglas. There's links there directly to make appointments if they want to. And y'all have, you have co-workers that are in there as well. So if they wanted to schedule an appointment. Oh yes, we have a good staff of of girls that are building and are still interested in building up their clientele more. So, right. And I'm always there to help guide and direct. And we, we, our salon works very well together to help each other. So we'll link your website, you know, in our show notes and um, we'll point people in the direction of being able to find your salon, Tuscan Sky Salon. And we really appreciate you. We really appreciate you joining us today. Whenever we started doing this and I was getting my hair done one day, I was thinking, I mean, we've, we've got to have Sarah Ann come and talk with us because she has so much information to share. Before we totally wrap up, that's one of the most fascinating things to me professionally working in the ER, particularly in the larger ERs where you may have two or three doctors working at once, as opposed to a very small single coverage ER is... You have a difficult case, a difficult intubation, airway management, uh, a difficult medical diagnosis or whatever. You get to bounce things back and forth with another physician sitting there that has perhaps just as much experience as you or or maybe not as much, but a different area of training than you. And that Much like you're talking about you do with your coworkers, we do also. It's, it's very rewarding. It really is. Oh, yeah. I've, I've got to watch Chelsea... I call her my little flower. She come to us and she just, she was eager to learn and she was wanting to, to grow. And I just wanted to help. I was so excited. I was like, yes, I want to watch her grow. And I have a watched her. I mean, she's two or three weeks booked out at the time and she's actually our extension specialist. So she's the one that I would refer people to for extensions in our salon. And she has a passion for what she does. She does a lot of her own um, continuing education programs on her own time because it is something she loves to do and there's been plenty of times I'm like hey Chelsea my brain is hurting I need you to help me <laughs> but you know the impact that you had on her in a positive way by being supportive of her growth and helping her along the way answering her many questions you know I, I'm sure that was a huge impact another lesson that we can learn you know let's be supportive of each other oh yeah Yes, again, one plus one is always more than two. That's right, that's right. So thank you very much. I have a feeling that we're going to want to have you back. Or with, let's talk about some other stories at oh, some yeah, point. Oh, yeah, definitely we can do that. But thank you for joining us. We appreciate it very much. Sarah Nan was a great guest. I told you she would be, though. You were right, as usual. Yeah. So now we get to go into my very favorite segment of the show, where I get to phone a friend. I get to ask you a question. Some of these will be listener questions. So if you're listening and you have a question that you would like for Mark to answer, then go to our website. You'll see all the details there where you can submit a question. And you may hear Mark answer it next week. But anyway, Mark, so the question today for you is, what advice can you give women, not necessarily just women, maybe men also, who are losing their hair and they're heading to their doctor? How can you help help them kind of collate information that they can give to their doctor that can help their doctor help 
best figure out what's going on with them? Well, I, I think it boils down to what we talked about. Um, there's some obvious simple things. Check for thyroid disease, hypothyroidism particularly. Could it be telogen effluvium? Did you have surgery? Did you have a major car wreck? Did you have a baby recently? Did you have some severe emotional distress and trauma, the death of a family member, something like that? You know, anything that could set off telogen effluvium. And, and, and then you have to start worrying about autoimmune processes and just things like that. Of course, you want to check for if there's been a tremendous amount of weight loss, is something going on? Is there a tumor somewhere? Is there, you know, uh, new onset diabetes? Is there uh, a malig- is there a malignancy or um, an infection? Tuberculosis, I mean, doubtful in the United States of America, but something that could cause weight loss. That's the classic things that would that would do that. So, uh, you know, that's where you would start looking. As and and the you would tell your doctor these are my concerns. Could it be, you know, mm-hmm. the list of things that I mentioned? Would their family history be important at all? Oh yes, of course. So, what type of things, in reference to their family history, should they? have in their mind that they can convey to their doctor. Well, do you have a family history of, of colon cancer or lung cancer or thyroid disease or thyroid cancer? Or um, do you have a family history of diabetes? Then maybe you're a new onset diabetic that's been untreated. Uh, and, and in turn, if you're a healthcare provider listening, you can kind of twist these same things into answering these very same questions from a healthcare provider's perspective, right? Like if you have a patient that's come in and they're saying, I've lost my hair and I want to know why. What are the things they should be thinking about? Exactly. I mean, uh, you should always fall back on your differential diagnosis, which we've been through before, vindicate, vascular infectious, neoplastic, you know, diet, drugs, idiopathic, congenital, allergic toxins, traumas, environmental, uh, various exposures to chemicals or environmental problems you you can always run through your differential the vindicate differential that we've talked about before and and come up with a potential list of diagnoses and start checking things off the list you usually don't have to go too far down the list until you find the answer but the main thing to keep in mind is always treat the person how you want to be treated yes always just remember what would I do if this person were in my own family and then that's what you do right so remember you can find us at markedmedicine.com on our website you'll find links to all of our social media pages you'll find a area where you can submit a question and tune in next week because you may just hear Mark answer your question thank you for listening <laughs>